On top of the wildfires in the West, there's now another hurricane heading for the South. Naomi Osaka won the U.S. Open and used her platform to talk about police brutality against Black people. And the pandemic has caused 2020 to be a lost year for millions of Americans. BuzzFeed News has profiled sexualist people in a series we're talking about with editor David Mack. The date, September 14th, 2020. The time, News O'Clock. Hey friends, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. Casey, before we dive in, is your timeline talking a lot about Venus today? <laughs> do you know what it's not? And do you know do you know why that is, Hayes? Why? Because Twitter knows I don't want no space talk. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. All right, well, mine is, and it's because the Royal Astronomical Society put out a new paper today that says, hey, we found some stuff in Venus's atmosphere that says there might, maybe, could possibly be life there, question mark? I mean, listen, that doesn't surprise me at all. And for someone who doesn't like to talk about space, I know a lot about space. We know there's life out there. We've talked about it. You're dumb to think there's not. Right. But unfortunately, a lot of people are running with this like very like tailored bit of news, which is, hey, we found this chemical compound that could have been caused by like uh, a bacteria or something up in the atmosphere of Venus where it's not a bajillion degrees like it is on the surface and running with it to go. There's life on Venus. I'm out of here, guys. We're taking the next shuttle to Venus. Fuck you, Earth. We're out. I mean, at this point, humans need anything. (laughs) (laughs) Grasping for any place, wherever. (laughs) Who will take me? (laughs) Uh, Earth refugees invade Venus. That's that's the storyline. Okay, time for today's top stories. Here's what you need to know. After weeks of intense courtship over its U.S. business, TikTok has decided to give its rose to tech giant Oracle, sort of. The announcement that Oracle will be TikTok's, quote, trusted business partner in the U.S. came as a bit of a surprise, given the talks between ByteDance, the Chinese company that owns TikTok, and Microsoft. Microsoft had been set to outright acquire the U.S. arm of TikTok, but ByteDance rejected that deal. Instead, Oracle will be managing TikTok's cloud storage in the U.S. The semi-deal came just days ahead of a deadline President Trump set in an executive order that would have banned the app from the U.S. if things had been proceeding as planned. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin confirmed that the deal will be presented to Trump for his approval later this week. It's a weird end to a weird story. As Russell Brandom of The Verge pointed out, the deal doesn't really address the potential security concerns that were used to justify the threatened ban, since ByteDance, a Chinese company, will still own TikTok. And it's not guaranteed that TikTok won't still be banned in a few days. CNN's Brian Fung notes that the deal still needs to be approved by the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, which literally can't do so ahead of the deadline set in Trump's executive orders. Meanwhile, a quick chaos weather update for you all. The West is still on fire, and another hurricane looks like it's headed for the Gulf Coast. While the fires on the West Coast continue to burn, the smoke being produced is on a whole other level. Satellite images show that the giant plumes are clearly visible from space and may reach as far west as Hawaii. Air quality for many people remains in the highly dangerous territory, adding a new kind of miasma on top of the pandemic that is, by the way, still a thing. 
And in the southeast, Tropical Storm Sally has been upgraded to Hurricane Sally. And more worryingly, it's showing signs of slowing down. That may seem counterintuitive that a hurricane losing speed is bad, but slow-moving hurricanes dump water onto places where they hit at a rate that can't be absorbed by the ground, causing massive flooding, like we saw during Katrina in 2005 and Hurricane Harvey when it hit Houston in 2017. And finally, apparently, plastic makers knew early on that most plastic products would never actually be recycled, but they made damn sure we'd believe they would. A new investigation from NPR and PBS's Frontline found that as far back as the 1970s, the plastics industry knew that it was unlikely that recycling plastic could be scaled up enough to make a difference. For one, it's cheaper to make new plastic from oil and gas than go through the process of picking up old plastic and sorting it out and melting it down. Also, plastic degrades each time it's reused, meaning it can't be reused more than once or twice. Despite that, according to the reporting from NPR and PBS, the industry spent millions of dollars convincing people to recycle, like in this ad from 1990. The bottle may look empty, yet it's anything but trash. It's full of potential. And at DuPont, we're making sure that the potential isn't thrown away. We've pioneered the country's largest, most comprehensive plastic recycling program to help plastic fill valuable uses and roles instead of filling valuable land. Effort was meant to convince legislatures not to curb or ban plastic products and make consumers feel less guilty about using plastics. And it worked. But instead of being recycled, most of that plastic that's been produced since then has either been burned, buried, or dumped overseas. I am feeling extremely played right now. Right. I saw that story and I was like, are you effing kidding me? Like we've known for a while that, yeah, okay, the economy of scale for plastic doesn't quite make sense. But the fact that they knew that and still tried to push it on us like this is the miracle cure all. That's just really messed right. up. Right. And and I think that did work to a certain extent. I mean, I think it makes me feel better about using plastic because when I put it in the recycling bin, I'm like, it's not I'm not wasting it. Some it's going to be turned into something new. It's okay. Or it's better than trash. And I mean, actually last week, my boyfriend's gonna love this. I was trying to recycle something and he was like, You can't recycle that. And I'm like, Yes, you can. And he was like, They're not gonna recycle that. And it was just like, oh, what newsletter did he get? He is very well informed. And meanwhile, this campaign to make me believe that I could recycle anything has worked. Right. Uh, Captain Planet lied to us is is what it boils down to. It's really frustrating. Oh, uh, before we move on really quickly. So last week on our show, we said that a half million people have been forced to evacuate by the Portland fires. Uh, after we recorded and released that last week, Oregon's Governor Kate Brown, her office came out with a clarification that a half million people were under evacuation warnings. They had not actually fled. So just wanted to point that out to our listeners and clarify that. Okay, Casey, what's on your pop culture radar today? Well, this weekend, Naomi Osaka beat Victoria Ozomrenka to win the U.S. Open, taking home her third Grand Slam title. Over the course of two weeks and seven matches, Osaka wore seven different face masks with the names of Black people who police officers have killed over the years. Those names were Breonna Taylor, Elijah McClain, Ahmed Arbery, Trayvon Martin, George Floyd, Philando Castile, and Tamir Rice. When asked by a reporter after her win what the message was that she was hoping to send with the mask, Osaka was pretty straightforward with her answer. Well, what was the message that you got was more the question. I feel like the point is to make people start talking. What were you most gratified about the awareness that you raised? 
Um, I mean, for me, I've, I've been inside of the bubble, so I'm not really sure what's really going on in the outside world. All I can tell is what's going on on social media. And for me, I feel like, you know, the more retweets it gets, or that's so lame, but, you know, the more people talk about it. It was Osaka's second time winning the U.S. Open after first beating Serena Williams back in 2018. Man, between the Williams sisters and Osaka, do I have to start caring about tennis? I, I feel like I might have to start caring about tennis. <laughs> I think I do too. And when I realized that I really like don't understand tennis is when I was watching this adorable video of Naomi's boyfriend cheering her on at the moment when she won. And I can't see what's happening on like the court, but I can see his face like watching the ball back and forth. And there's a moment of realization on his face when he knows that she's won. And I'm like, I don't know that moment. <laughs> yeah, now just point that out. I don't either. I don't know. I, was that love? Was that an ace? Those are tennis words I know. <laughs> I just cheer when everyone else cheers. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be that person in the gif who was like a couple of seconds delayed reaction behind everyone else in the stands. And I'm next to you eating a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm hearing is when pandemic clears up, we have to go to a tennis we match. <laughs> we definitely, our first outing. <laughs> <sighs> okay, when we come back, we've got BuzzFeed News' David Mack with us to talk about the way this pandemic has left people struggling to cope with the loss of a whole year. Stay right there. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hey, this is Paris Hilton. Last year, I revealed the story of my abuse at Provo Canyon School. Since then... Thousands of survivors have come forward. Now I'm on a mission to expose the truth of the entire industry. In this weekly investigative podcast, me and my host, Rebecca Mellinger and Caroline Cole, will examine one infamous teen treatment facility each season. First up, Provo Canyon School. This one is personal. When you first get there, you have to experience girls screaming locked up, peeing themselves, in the hallway sleeping. And you're like, where am I? Holy heck, this is not what I expected. Listen to Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to gear up for the NFL postseason. Yeah! Head over to NFLShop.com today for the largest assortment of officially licensed gear. I need it! NFL Shop is your destination for jerseys, t-shirts, headwear, and more. Oh, you're sweet with it! Come back after the game for the best selection of NFL gear anywhere. How you like that, baby? Rep your team pride with styles fit for the whole family. To shop now, go to NFLShop.com. Welcome back. We joke a lot about how it feels like it was just March. The last few months have been shaped by the coronavirus pandemic, and it doesn't seem like that's due to stop anytime soon. So what does it mean when a whole year goes by under the shadow of a pandemic? 
We're joined by BuzzFeed News Deputy Director Breaking News, David Mack. He was the lead editor of a week-long project called The Lost Year. Thanks for joining us, David. Thanks, guys, for having me. So, David, for people who haven't had the chance yet to check out the series, uh, why the decision to name it The Lost Year? Hey, this all stems from a, uh, a conversation that I was having with some friends uh, a couple months ago. We were kind of sitting around and it was one of those early gatherings when people were, you know, we were just starting to see friends again and imagining kind of talking about the year that, you know, was coming up and all the hard months that we'd been through so far. And we were talking about like, what was the worst age do we think to be during the pandemic like who who's having it the hardest right now and one of us was saying that it was like a they felt the worst for little kids growing up in the middle of all of this and others were really feeling sort of bad for uh, maybe older people who are in nursing homes and this was just a kind of idea that stuck with me that like so many of us have just kind of lost everything that we wanted to do this year and I think especially that idea of like kids growing up like this is almost a year of their lives that it's just going to be surreal right like that it's they're not going to school for a lot of them they're not seeing their friends and it feels like something's been lost. So that's what we set out to try to answer. We tried to talk to a, a lot of people, six people of different ages across the country and get a sense of what they've lost this year. Yeah. One of the most striking things is the wide age range of people profiled. The youngest is only 10 years old and he can't really picture what he wants to be when he grows up now. Maybe it's because my mind is it's on. Maybe it's because I'm home so much. Yeah. I'm just like, it's interesting. He wanted to become a cop one day and no longer does. The way that mixes in with another issue we've been facing down all summer. Was that a coincidence? Yes. I mean, you're talking about Kyle there, little 10-year-old Kyle who is living in the Bronx in what is actually the poorest congressional district in the country. And uh, of course, as you said, the protests and uh, he's sort of growing up as a young black and Hispanic boy and wondering more and more about his identity. Uh, and that's obviously making him question if he, if he wants to be a police officer, uh, but more than anything, his parents told us that they sort of watched him sort of grow up a lot these last few months, kind of trapped and cooped up in the apartment and that it's sort of sapping him of his imagination and his childhood. And he sort of told us he, he can't really think of what he wants to be in the future. He can't even think of what he wants to be for Halloween. So I, I just thought that was really quite heartbreaking on a, on a personal level. Well, on the other end of the spectrum, the oldest person profiled was uh, BuzzFeed News reporter Ryan Mack's grandmother. Uh, she came to the U.S. from Vietnam with her family in the 1970s, only to lose her husband during the pandemic. Why, in your view, was it important to capture her story in the series, even though her husband didn't die of COVID-19? Oh, as you said, it was written by Ryan, who shared this uh, incredibly personal story about his family. And when he told me about his grandmother and her story, I was so moved. Uh, he says in the story that his grandfather didn't die because of the pandemic, but he did die during it. And in many ways, all the other deaths that have gone on in the last six months that weren't because of the pandemic have also been affected by it. His family couldn't hold a proper funeral for their grandfather, despite this incredible life that he's lived in terms of escaping Vietnam and setting up his family in a new country and having, you know, lots of kids and grandkids. They couldn't farewell him properly. And then, of course, Ryan's grandmother is now facing a world, not only is she 
she's sort of lonely because of having lost her life partner, but she's had to withdraw from society and keep sort of just in her immediate family with her daughter. And she's facing loneliness on two fronts there, right? Losing her husband and then also having to sort of self-isolate and be quarantined from the rest of society. So I just thought that was so interesting, this idea that like, you know, the pandemic is affecting everybody in, in these different ways. And in a lot of ways, we'll never truly understand them. BuzzFeed News went in hard on covering the deaths of people who'd contracted COVID early in the pandemic. How was this project different or was it weirdly kind of the same? Well, you're right. We did obviously uh, make a big effort as a newsroom to write as many obituaries as we could uh, in the first phases of the pandemic. But unfortunately, obviously, the deaths haven't stopped. And we've mostly been trying to kind of concentrate our our resources in other areas at the moment. Uh, But I think you're right. There is a kind of like similarity here in in the intention. Uh, Obviously, everybody's affected by this pandemic. And definitely the people who have died and the people who've lost loved ones are obviously the most affected. But all of us in many ways are going to be living with this uh, this very bizarre year for the rest of our lives. And what I like about this series is that uh, there are big and small ways in which it's going to be affecting us, I think. And uh, I, I, I like that it, this is a series that reminds us that kind of a lot of us will be grappling with, with many things for many years to come. How did you narrow down who would be featured in this series? Because there were, unfortunately, a lot of stories you could tell. Well, that's true. We uh, we had to decide on kind of age, age ranges that we thought we were kind of looking for. So we began with this idea of like archetypes of, you know, we wanted to get a young kid and we thought we sort of someone who was in their last year of high school and all the kind of, you know, movie milestones that come with going to prom and all that and losing out on that. And we thought about someone who's leaving college and going into the workforce and someone maybe who's been in the workforce for a long time and uh, maybe has lost everything. And then uh, someone at retirement age and then someone, uh, as we said, as sort of an elderly person as well. Uh, We basically started with those archetypes. And then as a group with my reporters, we talked about trying to make sure that we had geographic and racial and gender diversity across the series. And that's basically how we did it. We kind of stayed in, I was the kind of the the point person making sure that we didn't get, I don't know, too many people from New York or something like that. Uh, And in the end, I think we've got a good mix. We've got people from Florida, uh, from New Orleans, from Chicago, from California, and from New York. There's something like weirdly Shakespearean about the way you're describing that, just, uh, that line from, I think it's all's well, it ends well, like um, all the world's a stage and all the men and women and merely players. And in one man's lifetime, he plays several parts. You really did like try and cover all of those parts and how they were affected by this pandemic. Yeah, that's right. I just think, you know, it, it... <laughs> There's so many stories, obviously, out there about the ways in which uh, everybody's had to go through this. And I think what I wanted to try to do with this series was sort of capture in these very small moments of people's lives bigger threads across the country. And these are just, you know, they would admit themselves, they're average people. They're not the most, you know, amazing and most, you know, the most interesting stories, but they're average. And But in that, in their stories, there are some sort of beautiful and sad uh, threads that sort of speak to bigger things that are happening in the country and in the world right now. And I think it's kind of a reminder that when you read all the headlines and, and all the news of everything that's going on, it affects everybody on a personal level. So what was the biggest takeaway that you had when editing this series? Because, I mean, you assigned it out to the reporters and you got their drafts back. Was there anything that stood out to you across 
all of them as you were going through them. Well, yes, I did. I edited all six and I was dreaming of these people basically because I spent so much time with them. Uh, I think what stood out to me was that sense of kind of, you know, collective loss that there was a reminder to me that I think it's been a very difficult pandemic, obviously, for everybody. And there's a sense that, you know, even in the darkest moments, I felt very alone during this pandemic. Um, and I think what has helped me in this project is, of course, realizing that everybody is feeling a sense of loss in some ways, in big ways and in small ways. And it's a reminder that, you know, in, in a almost sort of sadly beautiful way, we're all going through this together. Mm. If there had to be one piece in this series that you would recommend to people to read as a gateway to all the others, which one would it be? Oh, wow. What a good question. Well, I, I would start with Kyle, the little boy. I think he he has such an interesting story. He's caught up at this nexus of, as we said, these kind of racial and uh, economic and uh, schisms that are sort of fracturing the country at the moment, uh, but also just the sort of, he's just a really average kid. He His parents worry, they, you know, they feel guilty that he's spending too much time playing Fortnite. And he is sort of wondering, you know, as I said, he's struggling to do long division on the computer. He can't, you know, as his Zoom classes. Um, there's just some really beautiful sort of average moments in there for, as I said, what speak to sort of bigger issues in the country. Well, you can read the full series, The Lost Year on BuzzFeedNews.com. David, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Okay, we have time for one more thing, and it's the story behind the best TikTok on Twitter right now. So you might have seen it going around. It features a conversation between God and an angel. Hey, God, what's up? Hey, angel, did you give the dinosaurs more muscle, like I asked? What? I told you to make them meteor. Make them a meteor. 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 Comedy gold is what that is. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. And if you haven't seen the video, please, please do. The tears in her eyes at the end are truly amazing. BuzzFeed News spoke to the creator, 23-year-old Eliza Peterson, and it turns out she actually helps dig up dinosaurs. She works as a volunteer with the Natural History Museum of Utah's Paleontology Department and has for the last five years. My God, my, my inner child is just like screaming in jealousy right now. Just loud, angry jealousy. I know. Ever since uh, I read The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and one of them like digs up things for her like summer trip, I was like, I want to do that. And now she's living her this dream of mine. Anyways, that aside, Peterson's TikTok absolutely blew up with 2.9 million likes since it went up five days ago. And she's used that attention to ask for help paying the bills for the breast cancer treatment that she's been undergoing for the last four years. She didn't give BuzzFeed News a specific amount she's raised, but said that she's been able to pay off a huge lump sum of the money she owed to hospitals. I, I gotta say, well, first of all, you know, our America's healthcare system trash. We all know that. Yep. We all know yep. that. But yep. I, this story is just such a delight in terms of the internet being good in multiple ways. It is. We First, we get like her pure and amazing TikTok that 
brought tears of joy to my eyes. And then, you know, everyone's able to return the favor and be like, hey, you made us laugh. Here's money because our healthcare system sucks. Right. Uh, good for her. I, I want her. We need to go out and I hope she goes out and finds and discovers like a new dinosaur species. I know that this is like unlikely, <laughs> but or maybe paleontologists out there when they do find a new species should name it after her. That I was putting oh, that out yes. there. I think this Definitely. is something we should do for her. <laughs> the, just the meatiest dinosaur that they find should be named after her. <laughs> All right, that's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we're talking to one of the hosts of the new climate change podcast, How to Save a Planet, about, well, how to save a planet. And remember, it could be a smoke cough. It could be a coronavirus cough. It could be an allergies cough. Fingers crossed you can find out which it is. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. Give us your attention, we need everything you got fast. Waiting on reparations, we be the illest podcast. Tune in every Thursday, politics and wordplay. We fight for the people because they got us in the worst way. From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye. From the left enclave to what the neocons say. Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation. And then break us off with some bread because we waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This season, get football on your terms with NFL Game Pass. Let's go! See every snap from every game with full game replays. What a throw, what a catch! Listen to all the action as it happens with live game audio. Watch the dog, Jeep! Leaping grab to Monte Adams! Plus, watch your team on your time with condensed game replays. Wow! Get football on your terms with NFL Game Pass. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our heart radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangsta Chronicles podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.